The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey to all you out there in the Healthcare Wrap posse, thanks for hanging with us. My name is Jared Johnson, I'm your host, and this is Season 2 of the Healthcare Wrap. This is the place to be if you want to accelerate the transformation of healthcare and help create the digital healthcare customer experience that happens outside the clinic. We invite you to join the posse by listening, subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends. And you can find our full archive of episodes at healthcarewrap.com and hit us up on Twitter at healthcarewrap. And finally, a special thank you to Express Docs, Ulterra Digital, and the Podcast.Healthcare Network for helping us spread the awesome. And speaking of awesome, talk about an awesome guest today. I want to welcome our guest, Dr. Austin Chang, who was recently named the new Chief Medical Social Media Officer. Yes, you heard that right. The new Chief Medical Social Media Officer with Jefferson Health. Dr. Chang is a Harvard-trained gastroenterologist. And on Instagram, he is Austin Chang MD, where he's got about 20,000 followers, uh, actually about 23,000 followers, it looks like. At uh, latest count, I've got that pulled up here in front of me. So welcome, Dr. Chang. That's great. Thanks for having me. Hey, well, I was excited. I was just mentioning to you the how I heard about this whole thing was a piece by Chrissy Farr recently with CNBC talking about this new role. And we'll dive into that in a minute, but I want to give listeners a chance to get to know Dr. Chang a little bit better before we dive into, hey, what's this cool new thing you've got going on? But tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got where you are with Jefferson Health and anything else that's interesting You know, that our listeners would like to know about you. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a gastroenterologist. I went to medical school and residency at Columbia in New York before moving to Boston, where I did my GI fellowship um, at Brigham and Women's. Also got a master's in public health while I was there at Harvard, and then ended up sort of subspecializing in advanced endoscopy at Jefferson in Philadelphia and decided to stay on as faculty. And that's uh, where I currently lead the bariatric endoscopy program. And then also, as you mentioned, now have this role of chief medical social media officer. So that's me in a nutshell. Right on. Well, you know what? Let's unpack this whole chief medical social media officer thing. And that's going to be great. This is going to be the source and the, the substance of our rap battle today. Rap battle. So rap battle is where we just challenge the way healthcare has been done before, specifically on the marketing and tech side. And that usually means we're talking digital. And today, of course, we are we are very much talking digital. We're talking about kind of one of those forefronts that a lot is going on with healthcare, which is in all these social media channels. There's over the years, you know, it's been really interesting to see how opinions have changed and just how everyone seems to have an opinion these days, one way 
in the medical and non-medical communities about healthcare information in social media channels. And it's been fascinating to see how that's evolved. And it just feels like this new position, Dr. Chang, is the latest in that evolution. I was thrilled to read about it and to learn more about it. So maybe we start with the role itself, and then I think we'll, we'll back into the need for it and how you know you see this being able to help healthcare in general. But tell us about the role itself. Like, What are you tasked with being the chief medical social media officer? Simply put, the role I'm tasked with is really to engage or get more clinicians engaged online talking about what they're trained to talk about. That sort of was my underlying motivation for getting on social media in the first place. I've always had a curiosity for how the general public gets their medical information and what better tool nowadays than social media to actually get our own voice out there talking about the things that we've been trained to do. The other part of the role is really in helping with the social media policy at Jefferson and trying to set a precedent for other academic institutions to follow suit in how we're crafting our social media policy. And I also help out with any sort of campaigns that the institution would like me to help amplify just within the organization and utilizing our influencers within our organization as well as just getting the word out there. And so I'll talk a little bit about how I got here in the first place. I think on the surface, it might seem to a lot of people that it's just because I'm a heavy social media user, and which in, in part is true. I grew up in this social media generation, having been one of the first classes to have adopted Facebook when it first came out, when it was introduced when I was in college. But really, it's been several years in the making. I actually spent some time at ABC News a couple of years ago, wanting to know how the general public receives their medical information through the media and how journal publications and other primary sources were being vetted by the media before making it onto the evening news. And in that process, saw that there was being, that social media was being used in weekly Twitter chats over certain topics. And um, that's how I saw that really key public figures and important organizations were involved in this online dialogue. And that's when I also made the conscious decision to really transform my online presence into a professional one. Because I'd been using social media for years and years, just personally with friends and family. But now I was really focusing on how I was going to use it professionally. And from there on, I started live tweeting conferences that I was attending. I was talking about what I was experiencing as a trainee at the time. I started to develop a social media presence for my training program in my division where I was training and learned a lot through all of the hoops I had to jump through to get that to happen. In the process, also conducted social media research using Twitter data to help justify the importance of social media in healthcare. And ultimately, that led me to uh, be more involved in all the different GI societies within gastroenterology, helping out with social media efforts and PR and things like that. And so I really learned sort of just by using it in various different ways, how to go about using social media for good and for education and for public health. So thinking about that, especially with the the advancement of this role, how have you seen opinions change in the medical community towards social media. I will say a few years ago, the example we were actually speaking about offline with the Doc Smitty. So Dr. Justin Smith, a friend of mine from Cook Children's at Fort Worth, Dr. Smith and I had talked at length probably three to four years ago about, in fact, I'd had him as a, as a guest on my previous podcast 
But we had talked at length about his passion that was similar. And, and his feeling was that as a medical professional, you couldn't really complain about all the bad information that's out there digitally online if you weren't producing good information, you know, accurate information. And I'm curious what you think if, if that's still kind of the, you know, one of the prevailing thoughts or just in any of the other positions that are being held in the medical community these days. Is, is it still like that? Or there still is there still like a pretty good line in the sand in terms of you're either fully supporting social media or you're not? I think that there is still a lot of misunderstanding around how we could potentially use social media to our advantage. I also think that there's a lot of controversy over how we can combat misinformation. My personal opinion is that if we're not engaged in online dialogue, then we're just not going to be represented at all in the, in the conversation. And there's really no one better than those of us who are practicing medicine to discuss what we're doing and sharing our experiences. So I think that there's no unilateral way of looking at it. I think we also have to take into consideration that a lot has changed over the years. There have been so many different platforms that have been introduced and each of them I feel has sort of taken on a different identity and different purpose. So for instance, when I look at Twitter nowadays, I think that there's a lot of academic discussion or professional discussion going on there. I'm not sure how much of it is truly getting to patients. I think that there are other platforms that might be better in better utilized for that purpose, such as Instagram or YouTube. I mean, I think that that is going to continue to change. And as these platforms roll out different functions, we have to sort of adapt to what they're offering and how to use it. And I would expect that a couple of years from now, the entire landscape would change even more. So I'm looking at a recent post of yours on Instagram and, and uh, not meaning to put you on the spot here. I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> this was one, I think it was just uh, from earlier this week and just the first sentence or two, uh, tough choices. Do you spare the patient a procedure and do it all together once later? Or do you half a procedure now knowing that we need to bring the patient back for the second half when they aren't on blood thinners. And then, I mean, you have tons of comments on this thing. You have hundreds of people yeah. engaging with this thing. I mean, is this, is this pretty common? I mean, how, I guess I'm just curious, you know, how, how other medical professionals are, are finding this and, and engaging with it. Because as a marketing professional, I'm fascinated just to know, you know, where the prevailing thoughts are at any given time. I think that it's kind of like the traditional ways of word of mouth, I think that there were definitely certain people who are sharing that post because of the way it resonated with them. And I think that that's the case is that whenever something out there resonates with someone, then people are apt to share it. And that particular post, I think, was shared several times on, you know, by different people. And so with that word of mouth, people came by and wanted to share their own thoughts. And that post was particularly meaningful to me because I felt that it really illustrates the types of questions that people don't necessarily think about who aren't practicing medicine. You know, these are tough, sometimes ethically challenging questions that we have to face. And it just highlights how it's not always black or white in medicine. A lot of it is left up to the judgment of the clinician. And this is what exactly makes the job challenging and why why we're here. You know, otherwise we could rely on algorithms, we could rely solely on artificial intelligence, but there's a humanistic aspect that we lend when we're trying to navigate all these difficult choices. I need a dime, ain't faking a phone. So 
you crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Altera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Altera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Altera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. There are numerous examples of how this addresses, for lack of a better term, fake health news. You know, so the the yeah. misinformation that's out there that clinicians can easily point to as examples of here's why nobody should be Googling their symptoms. And I recognize, you know, there, there's a very different take on that. In your opinion, how do we counter fake health news or misinformation? Yeah, I don't think that there's one single answer. I think it has to, various different approaches have to be adopted. And I think that even just from a personal standpoint, if someone were to just throw facts at me or show me screenshots of journal articles, that isn't necessarily engaging, nor is it really going to convince me to change my mind about something. And so I think that there are explicit ways that we can go about demystifying or demystifying what we do and addressing those sort of concepts that are that um, maybe misconceptions about our fields. But at the same time, I think providing this sort of humanistic aspect to our social media posts and showing that, you know, we're human too, and we we face the same sort of challenges. And, you know, we also have lives that we lead outside of work, sort of may help in rebuilding the mistrust that has become such a, such a apparent problem in our health system. I think it's, we're at an all-time high of mistrust between that patients feel when, when thinking about, you know, healthcare in general. So hopefully this will allow us to be the spokespeople for our specialties and put a face to a specialty and, um, you know, bring patients closer and show that we're on the same side and we're a team and we're trying to address the same problems here. We're not out there to get people. We're not in it just for ourselves. It's because sometimes things come across in a way that is better explained, you know, at length in a social media post rather than in a brief two-minute conversation in passing, which is often the case in the clinical setting. Yeah, I can see that because then everyone else, you know, the the benefit there is that you can have almost the exact same conversation in social media via comments and engagement on a post, but then everyone else gets the the benefit of reading that conversation later also and seeing the back and forth, whereas that hallway conversation, no one else is benefiting from that. Like I said, I've gone out there and I've sort of demystified more overthrown sort of conceptions about my field. I've had posts talking about what my schedule really is like and why, you know, why it seems that the doctor isn't always there. It's because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And also, I think another point is to highlight sources of misinformation. This was actually one of the things that 
uh, I took on a couple months ago, several colleagues and I who are active on Instagram started a hashtag campaign called Verify Healthcare. And we basically wanted to highlight the misrepresentation that we were observing on social media because there were several individuals on there who were either students or other sort of non-physicians or non-nurses who were really saying that they were physicians or saying that they were nurses. And um, it could really mislead the general public if these people were folks who the general public were going to for trusted information. And highlight this by um, encouraging those with big followings to really disclose what their credentials were, why they were qualified to talk about the things they were talking about, and also encouraging their followers to double and triple check who they were trusting online. And that is actually ultimately what led to the formation of this the first professional society. I don't know if you're going to get to this later, but the Association for Healthcare Social Media, which I'm leading, which is a, the first of its kind sort of professional society to address health professional use of social media and how we can sort of use it effectively, but also responsibly. Yes, yes, I, we're actually uh, going to get there. And that is, so on, at least on Instagram, it's ahsm underscore org. Yeah. For the association, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And if it's hard to remember, just it, it abbreviated, it's pronounced awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> right on, right on. I was really intrigued by this this concept that you mentioned a minute ago of, of being able to build trust by humanizing clinicians, for lack of a, a better phrase, you know, recognizing yeah. that the tough choices, the scheduling, and that there are reasons behind, there's a lot of things going on behind the, the scenes. Are there any other examples or just anything else that comes to mind on that topic about how to rebuild trust with the general public as a clinician? I mean, a lot of it isn't always the text that we're putting in there. It's also the imagery and showing aspects of our lives, whether it's at work or outside of work, I think is also really important, which is why some social media platforms lend itself better to that than say Twitter where things might be pretty fleeting and you know are just one off 240 character type you know posts. I think Instagram where it's sort of all in a grid might lend itself better to that. And obviously it's a very uh, it's a very visual platform. YouTube as well. I think that there are several, although it still is pretty, I would say in its infancy, there are several medical YouTubers out there who are vlogging their lives or talking openly about this kind of in video format. I don't necessarily condone vlogging at work all the time, but but it just goes to show that there are other ways that we can sort of, again, put a face to, to medicine. So what's your ultimate goal with this effort? Say, you know, let's look like maybe five years into the future. Where do you hope we are in relating to healthcare and social media use? I'm hoping that patients will actually find trusted sources of information on social media. I think that it's easy for patients to do a quick Google search and be misled in all sorts of directions when they clearly there are several of us out there, many of us out there who represent all of our various specialties on social media who are easily accessible, who may serve as better sources of information. Those of us who are out there are actually, I think, uh, more open to engaging with others. That's the reason why we're willing to put ourselves out there and you know be a part of a conversation. But I'm hoping that patients and the general public will actually see us as those more reliable sources of information than the random, you know, blogs or 
folks who may or may not have the training to back up what they're saying. At the same time, I think that this isn't going to be an easy task because it's not just encouraging people to get online. I also think that just by way of human nature, we also need incentives to do this. And a lot of the thought leaders who are in academic institutions, I think, need to be incentivized to participate. And that's something that I'm working on both with the society and in my role at Jefferson is how can we, is exploring how can we help reward the physicians and other health professionals for their time spent on social media or spent on contributing to health journalism. Because ultimately, if that's where patients are getting their medical knowledge from, rather than academic medical journals, which are still very, very important, obviously, but if that type of contributions to YouTube, to social media, to your local paper, those should also be incentivized and rewarded. Well, I love it. I'm applauding any progress towards that end and hope we see a lot of progress there over the next few years and certainly uh, welcome and congratulate the efforts that you're making here. As we move into our closing segment, keeping it real. Keeping it real. Keeping it real is where we kind of do what we just described there. This is just answering one simple question for our marketing listeners who are there, who are agreeing for the most part, maybe all of them in terms of the need for this type of effort. I always love the thought of just kind of expanding our minds of not just doing marketing better, but like, why are we doing that? And how do we improve healthcare? Mm -hmm. So I've got one question for you in this segment, which is, what's one thing marketers can do better to improve healthcare? I think engaging all the different stakeholders in this space. I think that if we're talking about healthcare, we needed to really engage those who are practitioners, patient advocates, and even, you know, among practitioners with just so many different um, roles that people play in the health system. And what's really opened my eyes up to this is the creation of this society because our intention was really meant for clinicians to participate and join as members. But increasingly, we're seeing that there's so many other people who are contributing to health dialogue online. And if ever, anyone is talking about health, they should be aware of you know how to talk about health responsibly online. And so this not only includes those of us who are really on the front lines working in healthcare, and not only the patient advocates, but those who are really behind the scenes, the patient care navigators for you know insurance companies, for practice managers. And so there's so many players in this field. I think that everyone should be involved in the conversation. So I'd say for marketers to really get our input, to get patients' input and see what really resonates with everyone. I think that that's where a lot of the disconnect has been thus far. Doctors, at the very least, haven't really been given any sort of marketing training. We're not definitely not taught in medical school or even in residency how to put ourselves out there, how to amplify our voice and be heard. And we're taught about the importance of public health and how we can, you know, how we should also practice medicine in a way that benefits the entire community. But we're not really taught to on how to communicate all that in an effective way, which I think you know, marketing professionals are best trained to do. So if we can meld these two worlds together, I think we could really create something great. I agree. You know, I've sat in on a, you know, on new provider orientations with health systems where, you know, marketing covered a little, you know, one little aspect over like three or four or five days worth of orientation. And it was such a small window to even cover 
that much material. And it was rarely anything that even uh, broached this topic of how to do it successfully and how to view this as an asset and an opportunity to do the exact things that we believe we want to do. And so I love the thought. I'm so glad you brought up the alliance itself, the association, and just all these efforts that that are going on. I can't wait to hear where this takes us and uh, how this brings medicine and healthcare forward. So thank you so much for mentioning those things. Uh, I want to give you a chance here to let everyone know where they do find more information about the association and about you if they want to get in touch with you. Yes, the association, the Association for Healthcare Social Media, you can find more at ahsm.org. Or you can also follow us on all the different social media channels. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, you can find me at Austin Chang MD at, on Instagram, as you mentioned, but also Twitter, YouTube, Facebook as well, and basically on every social media channel. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about social media here today. So you can expect that I'm on pretty much all the different platforms. But I'm very accessible. I'm always happy to exchange ideas and see how we can really make social media a more productive place to help out healthcare. Dr. Chang, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me once again. So for those of you who are tuning in, thanks again as well for joining us. Keep an ear out for new segments and updates to the podcast over the coming weeks during season two. Feel free. And of course, we invite you to join the posse by listening, subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends. Healthcare Wrap is an Altera Digital production and a member of the podcast.healthcare network. So on behalf of Dr. Chang and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thanks.